0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I wanna talk about some free, simple, easy ways to support your hormonal health. So health doesn't need to be complex. We're taught these days that we need to spend all of this money, do all of these fancy things and tests and supplements in order to be hormonally healthy but that's not the case at all. And I can see by looking on social media and online how health can seem very hard to achieve and the whole term like wellness is very unachievable to a lot of demographics. So I can see how they kind of get angry or frustrated or just don't think that they're worth um, being hormonally healthy because they can't afford some of these things or they just seem so foreign to them. So I wanna kind of break down that myth and really get back to basics on this episode. And if you search something like nutrition on Instagram, we see a lot of green smoothie bowls, and superfood powders, morning elixirs with all of these expensive products. People going to spas and getting massages. I really try and not promote that because it's just not—it's not realistic for a lot of people in the world. So if I was to post my meals, they would look absolutely terrible. It would just be basic food. Me going on a nature walk every day is just as good for my health as going to a fancy spa. To get a massage basically so we've survived as women for since the beginning of time with all of these things and there have been times where we thrived and we wouldn't have evolved where we are now if that wasn't the case so it's not a deficiency of all of these things that are causing us to be sick probably a lack of the basic and the foundational things of which I'm going to be talking about today they don't seem very sexy or cool compared to some of the other things that are discussed these days so maybe that's why they're they're not being spoken about but people get very carried away in thinking that there's something missing like this new new product this new superfood is going to be the cure-all or the magic diet that's fixing all of these problems when if you've worked with people like I do it usually comes back to these basic things which it's a little bit weird because i'm really repeating myself multiple times but people really do need to hear it but that said if you follow these steps you're probably going to get 90 80 90 percent there to hormonal health but there is that 10 20 percent where you might need additional supplements because unfortunately um, environmental toxins and pollutants and stress and soil depletion really burns through our minerals and we require a lot more support these days so that's a factor that has changed and we're now working long hours we're trying to raise families women and be a full-time kind of either boss or employee and back in the day we used to just have one role just being at home for the most part so our bodies do require a little bit more support but you can't go for some of those things until you've really address the foundations so today's episode is going to be three foundational and fundamental steps to achieve hormonal harmony and you've probably heard me talk about these things a million times before but it's for a reason it's because these things absolutely work i promise you with all of the clients i see this is the stuff that gets the biggest change it's sometimes the hardest because it's easy in comparison to pop a supplement every day or take something out of your diet but i'm going to keep reminding you of them because I really want to emphasize how fundamental they are so starting off with step one it's getting more sunlight and nature so I've had episodes in the past just on this so there was one episode number 53 with Andy Mantz of Blue Blocks he specializes in circadian rhythm and because he noticed such a big difference and it was game changer for his health when he started to optimize his circadian rhythm which is kind of his internal body clock he decided to create a company which offer blue light blocking glasses one of my favorite products health products there are so if you are going to invest in something it would be something like a pair of blue light blocking glasses once you've got them you've got them forever but they've made a huge difference to my health so not necessarily free but let's start with the free things that we can do but there are some additional hacks and things i'm going to talk about if you have to spend a little bit of money Definitely not super expensive, but really, really supportive um, addition. So, with circadian rhythm, the reason this is important for our hormones overall is because as humans, we should be very in sync with the sun and the moon. But as women in particular, this is really important. We're very cyclical beings. And as women, our menstrual cycle is highly influenced by the light and the dark cycles, the lunar, the moon cycles. And you might have noticed if you've lived in a group of women before or you've had sisters or been with your mum, you tend to start to regulate your menstrual cycle around the same time. Not if you're on birth control, obviously, but if you're, on, if you're not on any hormones and you're living together, um, maybe at college or university, you were living in a group of women, you all tended to be on your period at the same time. That's the superpower of women. We kind of connect to each other energetically. But it's also highly influenced by the moon cycles so most women ovulate on the full moon and have their period around the new moon there are a group of women i'm kind of in the opposite camp and we do the opposite so we ovulate on the new moon have a period with the full moon and i have swapped back and forth but from what i've read the type of pattern that i have we tend to be like the healers of the community so back in the day when everyone would have been on their period in the red tent, we would have been the ones caring for them and then vice versa other times of the month. So really interesting stuff. And so circadian rhythm is great for every single system of the body overall. It influences our appetite and our energy, our adrenals, the signals that come from our brain, the neurotransmitters, the time of day that they're released, particularly morning sunlight. So if you can, first thing in the morning, as soon as you get up, open up your curtains really wide even better if you can get outside even if it's just standing in the garden or at the back door for two minutes without any glasses any sunglasses on without even any contact lenses because some of them have UV filters actually prevents that that light spectrum from getting into the eyes and signal into the, the pineal gland to produce kind of certain hormones and suppress your melatonin and the more sunlight you get through the day, the better your sleep is going to be at night. So sleep and rest is number two on the list. But we want to mimic the the natural sun rhythms and the, the light rhythms inside as well. So even if you go outside and it's probably darker, especially in the UK winters, it's probably darker outside than it is on in the inside in the morning. But I promise that the light spectrum is still going to be there. So even when it's gray and raining and dreary, the, the the light is still going to be coming through the clouds and still giving you those same benefits. Whereas other parts of the country, like Australia now, it's coming to, to the summer, they can really see the blue skies and the sun. So it's much more obvious to them, but you're still going to be getting a benefit. And um, you really need to prioritize this if you're also someone who struggles with seasonal depression or the the sun and the winter and um, kind of seasons really affect your mood. I'm one of them since these past couple of weeks in the UK. The the sun is setting much earlier. It's a lot darker, and I can just feel myself not being as productive, which is fine. The seasons in life, the seasons obviously in nature. So we have to be respectful of them and not trying to keep pushing through and just honor that. Maybe I just need to start work a little bit earlier and be working smarter, not harder, with my job. But that's a whole nother tangent. But in the in the evening once the sun goes down you also want to do the opposite so mimicking what's happening in nature inside your home so when the sun is setting obviously in winter it's going to be a little bit earlier and in summer it's maybe eight nine o'clock once the sun goes down you want to mimic that in ta- inside as well so turning down your room lighting maybe just using candles or lamps instead, maybe filtering your screens so if you have an iphone there's a simple hack that you can do that turns your screen red blue blocks do have a blog post on that on their website as well so just type in red screen smartphone and with three clicks of your home button your screen will turn bright red not blocks blue light from getting into your eyes when you're on your phone at night ideally you should be shutting those things down as early as possible just so your brain's not kind of overactive during that time that's another aspect but if you're on your laptop you can Download something called Flux F. LUX that helps to filter it as well. I just have mine on all day long because I'm still getting bombarded by room lighting and everything, so I might as well reduce one exposure that I can, and it's not going to cause any problems. It's actually going to do more benefit. Super easy, free little hack that you can do, um if you're having to use your phone for some emails and doing some work, to understand that that is necessary for some people. So that's really going to influence our our oh, menstrual cycle there's people who have very lengthy periods or have amenorrhea, and maybe they go camping one weekend. And when you're camping, you can't really be exposed to sunlight when the sun goes down, and um, it's very hard to do. And that's why people have like the best sleep of their life. The, the energy is so much better, they're going to bed a couple of hours after sunset. Whereas when we're in our regular homes, we're watching Netflix until 11 pm. With the blue light glaring in our eyes, so kind of mimicking that, you don't need to go to the extremes of camping. I'm not a camping type of gal, so I just mimic those things inside. And I've recently, um, I packed it away for a while since I moved, but I was again struggling with waking up in the morning because my new bedroom is like really dark in the morning. And um, so I got my Lumi lamp. It's called the Lumi Body Clock. I got that out of my, my storage and put that up and it's been a game changer. that is a natural light that wakes you up slowly in the morning. I still set an alarm clock just because I don't want to oversleep, but that's really helping me to get out of bed first thing in the morning. And just looking at that, not directly, obviously, you don't want to stir at the sun either because you're going to damage your eyes. But that really tells the brain, okay, it's morning. Let's produce the highest amount of cortisol throughout the day. That's what gets you out to bed. That's what gets you motivated. ready to go cortisol gets a bad rap but it should be high in the morning not that high that you have anxiety and you dread your work day you have palpitations that's like an extreme but it should be high enough and that spike is known as the cortisol awakening response there's actually a test um, the dutch test which is the dutch plus that measures that so if you're really wanting to know what your cortisol awakening response is there is a lab test for that but why not just get started with some basic basic things to optimize it anyway that's my thinking but the cortisol awakening response to that shoot up of cortisol first thing in the morning as soon as your eye eyes open that's very supportive and beneficial for the immune system so it actually primes the immune system and it keeps any rogue or faulty immune cells at bay so if you're someone struggling with autoimmunity or you have a family history of autoimmune conditions like psoriasis, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, celiac, type 1 diabetes, etc., cetera, you should really be even more cautious of this. So I've got autoimmunity on both sides of my family. So my cortisol awakening response is a top priority just in one of the things that helps keep my immune system nice and strong. And also in my sunlight and nature step. There's so many other benefits with putting your feet on the earth, so getting the negative ions in the air that you breathe, the forest bathing that you do, which has been scientifically shown to reduce cortisol levels. There's a huge connection with stress and cortisol and your hormones, so that's step three that we're going to come on to. But forest bathing is simply just walking in a forest or a woods or nature, whatever you've got access to, even if you're in the middle of New York, city you've got central park and some of the other parks available so in cities there are little parks available that you can just pretend that you're in the middle of nowhere um, and you're still going to get tons of benefits there if you're lucky enough to live near the ocean going out for an ocean swim getting some natural magnesium epsom salts from the the um, the ocean water and we're so disconnected these days from the outdoor world no wonder why chronic disease is on the rise that's like one of Many factors, obviously, diet and food quality has completely changed, but I really think it's partly due to our disconnect with nature. Back in the day, we used to be outdoors maybe 90% of the time, and now it's completely flipped. And actually, indoor air is more polluted than outdoor air. So I know that car fumes and factories and all of that is really bad these days, especially if you're living in the city, but actually, indoor air is a lot worse in many places. So just another way, you could just open your windows um, if the weather isn't nice and that permits, obviously. Trying to bring some nature into your home, maybe that's using plants. All pretty, low-cost, free things that you can do. Getting vitamin D throughout the year, naturally from the sun, so not relying on supplements when you have a free resource for vitamin D. I know that if you have skin cancer risk and all of that, then you obviously need to be careful but most people should be able to build tolerance to the sun throughout the year so that in the summer they can get healthy amounts of sun exposure, build up their vitamin D stores. so that at this time of year, so September, October um, time, heading into winter, they don't completely tank in vitamin D throughout the winter months and end up depressed, joint pains, all of that. Vitamin D is actually more of a hormone than a vitamin. So this is because it affects every single cell of the body, it helps with immune modulation. So again, if you're someone with hyperactive immunity, allergies, autoimmune, it helps to calm that down. Whereas if you're someone with immune suppression, you're sick all the time, it will help to build you up. So it balances that seesaw. It helps with bone health. So if you're someone with amenorrhea, missing periods, you've been on a birth control pill with synthetic hormones for a number of years, then vitamin D should help you to improve your bone health because some of those other things not having a period having synthetic estrogen in the body can really affect your bone health not now but maybe 20 30 years time and that's unless you do something about it so getting sun exposure getting outside for a walk combining that physical activity is amazing for bone health and the, the vitamin d from the sun is well, sun exposure is so much better than a vitamin d supplement so people think oh why can't i just take a vitamin d supplement i don't really enjoy being in the sun i'm working all day but you still need to prioritize it because you're getting so much more than just vitamin d when you get natural sun exposure you're getting nitric oxide production in the skin which helps with vessel dilation cardiovascular health you're getting the uv rays you're getting that light spectrum in the eyes to signal the melatonin production at night the circadian rhythm balance so you can't just rely on supplements. Um, same with food. Yes, supplements may be necessary, things like magnesium for everyone, but the foundation of our nutrition should come from diet ideally. So on to step two for hormonal health, three simple things to add in would be more rest and to prioritize sleep. This kind of goes into that whole body clock thing as well, so winding down in the evening, shutting off the blue light is going to help you get a better sleep Um, and that's where we mainly heal so throughout the day we're kind of in breakdown mode the body's just got so much to do digestion of food kind of moving around all of that your your body is literally breaking down like muscle tissue and things and glycogen stores throughout the day so in the evening that's where we should be resting and healing what if you're eating too late before bed or you're not eating for hours before you go to bed so your blood sugar's all over the place maybe you're really stressed, maybe you're watching TV, scurry Netflix film right before bedtime, You you may be in bed for eight hours, but are you actually getting the deep restorative healing sleep that you need? Probably not. A lot of people spend a lot of time in the light stages of sleep. So they're tossing and turning, maybe they're waking up to pee every couple of hours. That's not great. And if you're waking up unrefreshed, you're not getting good quality sleep even if you're in bed potentially for eight or nine hours so the sleep hormone melatonin is not just a sleep hormone it's also a key antioxidant so it helps with reducing inflammation helping protect us from any cancerous cells in the body so that's why people who work night shifts or have chronic insomnia they have high levels of things like breast cancer and alzheimer's because they're not getting that antioxidant effect from melatonin and our body goes through different stages at night so it's believed that that was between 10 p.m and 2 a.m are for physical healing whereas I was from 2 a.m to 6 a.m are more psychological so that's where we tend to dream that's where we tend to consolidate memories process emotions so ideally the optimal sleep time for most people is between 10 p.m and 6 a.m obviously that can vary a little bit so i try to be asleep by 10 p.m just to give my body the best support I can and I do tend to be more of an early bird so I'm more productive in the day there are a subset of the population who are night owls so they can't really get to sleep whether that is just from bad um, body clock and circadian rhythm training for the lives, that's hard to say but in the Chinese medicine TCM world the body clock is really used so there's certain hours Of the day and the night where certain organs are more active and you should be supporting them at that time so i'll give some examples here with the nighttime ones so in terms of chinese medicine hours of 9 p.m till 11 p.m this is the triple burner time so this is when our metabolic and our endocrine health is the priority and this regulates things like blood sugar and hormonal health so if you're struggling with either of any of those things so particularly PCOS which is kind of my area um, I like to specialize in then going to bed around that time as earlier as possible is best um, it's going to be really supportive and then that was between 11 p.m and 1 a.m is the, the gallbladder time so if you're not asleep by that time or if you're waking up at maybe like twelve thirty a.m every day and you don't know why or it takes you a long time to get to sleep. Maybe you're only going to bed at 1.30, you're only falling asleep at that time. This can indicate some gallbladder issues. So there are some other signs that this may be a problem as well. So an intolerance to fatty foods. Maybe you're burping or you get some digestive pain, usually on the right under the right rib. Maybe you have some burping, some reflux, loose stools, could be floating or oily stools, excessive wiping after going to the bathroom they tend to be signs of poor gallbladder health also there's a big connection with estrogen dominance so it's a double double whammy because having estrogen dominance can make the gallbladder more dysfunctional it can thicken the bile and the gallbladder is kind of what squirts the bile out but also if you have gallbladder issues and poor bile flow that's going to make you more estrogen dominant because your cat actually detox the used or excess hormones correctly with that and the time between 1 a.m and 3 a.m is the liver time this is an extremely common time for people to have sleep issues there's people who literally wake up at 1 30 a.m every single morning and find it hard to get to sleep so if that's you this really indicates some sort of liver issue I'm not talking about like disease in the organs here by the way just some some imbalances something to focus on and this could be blood sugar related as well the liver is really involved in blood sugar regulation so it could be that you need to stop eating so close to bedtime or you need to start having a bedtime snack it's all about playing around because everyone's very different seeing what what works best for you and this is where the liver detoxifies so again throughout the day is doing things but this is the main time between 1 and 3 a.m in terms of chinese medicine when things really happen so our body filters hormones or activates hormones it gets rid of any accumulations throughout the day with just daily waste product from digestion um heavy metals that we breathed in pollutants that we've been exposed to it needs to get all of those out so you can imagine if you're not going to bed until the early hours you then need to fall into a deep sleep and then maybe you've missed this whole entire time so a one-off it's not going to be too much of a problem but if this is happening chronically then you can see where issues start to happen and some other signs that your liver might be a little bit dysfunctional could be bloating so think any digestive symptom reflux bad breath skin issues um having a yellow tinge to the skin or just rashes sensitivities to foods or chemicals lots of things i think The liver does like 500 things. So, if that's not happening well, you can see how that can affect every single body system in some way. And that is the time where these organs are most active or regenerating. And yeah, if you're you're symptomatic or wake up during that time, then it may be something to focus on. So, the other part of this point was more rest. So, I've lumped them in together because they're kind of the same thing. But when we sleep, we're obviously resting, but I want you to rest more during the day as well. Especially as women, as I said at the start, we live living such a fast pace and different lifestyle to what our genetics expect in such a short amount of time. Even in the past fifty years, the female, the expectations of females has completely shifted to what it used to be, and we're living in a very masculine energy now, which is fine for some people or for certain durations of life. We have to hit the word but hustle and get things done. Um, but we there is a way around it. We can learn to work smarter not harder we can learn to respect things like the menstrual cycle which i do want to touch on as well where we're at in our cycle and honor the times so that we have the most and the least energy so don't just reach for a cup of coffee and adaptogen when you're tired you need to honor your symptoms and not just push through listen to your body while it's giving you these messages before it starts screaming at you Um, Because some people literally wake up one day and their body's so exhausted because they've either ignored or not paid attention to the symptoms for that long that they have chronic fatigue syndrome and can't get into bed. And some people think that that just randomly happens and they didn't get any feedback from the body, but I can guarantee there were some messages there that weren't honored. So, step number three is stress management and/or a self-care practice. So, this is different for everyone. If I was to tell one client to do an hour of meditation in the morning, if they've got three kids that at work at 9am all day and they're stressed out their mind, that's not going to work. That's actually going to become more of a stress to them. So it needs to be something that you enjoy, something that you will be consistent with as well. So I'd rather you do five minutes every like three times a day than one hour, but then you're stressed and running around like a headless chicken for the rest of the day. I know... The consistency one is going to work so much better, and it's important to be proactive and not reactive when it comes to stress. So even if your life isn't really stressful at the moment, things are going well, I don't need to just wait until something happens before you start to implement this. We need to be proactive and start to do things now. So it's like training. You won't you won't just wake up and go and run a marathon one day. You need to train. So like you go to the gym to build your muscle. We need to build the brain muscle as well. That when things do happen which they will they don't completely wipe us out and knock our health out of whack we need to strengthen our vitality strengthen our body so that when stresses the inevitable stress does come we can respond and react in a much better way so the way that stress impacts hormones is a little bit um a little bit misunderstood there's a whole thing that was big for a while like the pregnenolone steal Like don't get stressed otherwise it's going to steal your your cortisol to make progesterone that is kind of in a random way accurate but it's not steal that happens so your body doesn't take take hormones from one place to another basically what happens is the female brain is very sensitive to signals of stress and danger and unsafety so when anything like real perceived physical stress chemical stress happens your fertility centers of the brain are Turned down. So it's your brain that's doing this, not the stealing happening elsewhere in the body or the ovaries or anywhere. So your your brain will sense stress, again, real or perceived. Um, you could be sat on the couch worrying about something, and this same thing is still happening. So that's the power of the mind. But the brain will think, no, it's potentially not a good time to have a baby this month. Let's delay ovulation. Let's stop ovulation altogether. And that could result in an extended period a completely missing period and an ovulatory period so no ovulation happened that month so obviously you won't be able to fall pregnant they're the types of things that i'm talking about um because of because of stress and typical stress management techniques we hear about can be good so things like epsom salt baths this is because magnesium sulfate that's in the salts um helps with calming the nervous system, stress depletes magnesium, helps with muscle relaxation. That's great. So maybe a few apps and salt baths every every week. You can do meditation with or without guidance. So there's lots of free apps these days, or you can just basically sit there with your eyes closed for five minutes, following your breath, just trying to not have a clear mind completely, but just kind of process any thoughts and just focus on the inhale and exhale, maybe sing a mantra in the head that helps to calm down the body and the nervous system. Again, it gives you a moment of peace. Closing your eyes kind of deprives one of your senses so that we are just bombard constantly with noises and sounds and um, images or so just closing your eyes just really calms the brain down a little bit. It's like closing the tabs on your internet browser. If you're like me, I've got like 300 active at once. You can do breathing exercises. This signals safety to the body because if we our life was really in danger, we wouldn't be able to breathe long, slow, deep breaths. And there's all different ones like the box breathing, so inhale for five, hold for five, out for five. And there's apps that you can get that help you and guide you along that. There's Wim Hof breathing, there's alternate nostril breathing, a ton of different ones. So again, find what works for you with that, and things like yoga, which is some sort of um, like a meditative exercise that you get like a two in one benefit there works on the chakra system it's low impact so most people are aware of those things but there are some other forms of stress management and self-care that can be just as useful that are usually not discussed Um, and I try to remind my clients of these things um, because they're so important so maybe it's delegating more at work or at home getting your kids to do more um, chores maybe hiring someone to clean the house once a week even though it is a financial an extra financial cost is that worth you just having a moment to sit down and relax maybe call a friend instead we have to weigh up the pros and the cons here it could be turning off social media after your dinner time and blocking people who make you feel um, bad about yourself or you you come off social media feeling guilty or left behind in the world maybe you feel like you're comparing yourself to them social media is great in many ways like it helps me to connect to you guys um, and share and educate but there is a, a huge like negative downside to it the fact that everyone's just sharing the um, highlight reels. it could be going to therapy um and there's different types of therapy as well. There's like energetic body type therapies and, and also like the regular talk therapy that most people are aware of. Different things work for different people. Um, it could be working on past traumas that you've been through. Could even be like prepping healthy lunches on a Sunday afternoon for the week. This is all type of stress, self-care ma- self and stress management. Got those two mixed up. So I'm not just talking about the spas and the massages and getting your nails done. It's just supporting your body being a little bit more organized and this will allow you not to skip the meal or reach for just convenience food that's maybe not as beneficial for your body as i said we can't avoid stress but we can learn how to interpret differently and how we react to it so there's a few books that i really like and i'll link to these in the show notes as well but there's one called the five second rule which is basically saying how the feelings of stress and anxiety are the same as excitement. So that not in the stomach, the sweaty palms, the anxiety, the heart racing, that can be interpreted as excitement. So using that as like a little trick to your brain really does help. There's another one called the chimp paradox, which is all about the monkey mind and how to quiet that down. Usually with kind of fighting back those negative thoughts with something factual. Um, and kind of giving your body evidence that the opposite is true and another favorite is called the upside of stress because i think now people are getting stressed about being stressed and if you're learning about the, your hormones and everything all the time and you hear cortisol's bad stress is really bad you're gonna affect your fertility and your periods because of this it starts to become a stress because you're then worried about being stressed so that's not useful so that book, the last one I mentioned, is a really great resource. Step four to improving hormonal health for free is to connect more, not necessarily on social media, although as I mentioned, this can be a place where it's amazing. Especially like this year, we've we wouldn't have been able to get through it probably without um, phone calls to friends and Zoom and Skype meetings with our families. And um, so it's good in some ways, but The comparison the highlight reel the jealousy is real so meeting people um when when needed and um real life connection is the type that i'm talking about mainly which again has been difficult this year and this is partially why so many people are struggling hormonally like my clients a lot of them are really struggling um depression is on the rise anxiety is huge and it's going to be a big transition and learning curve to get back to some sort of normality and who knows when that's going to be and i'll not say the the word i don't want this to be banned or anything because they're they're doing that but social isolation is actually more detrimental to our health than things like smoking and obesity so this this is huge like this is why um i'm talking about this because people are obviously more anxious and more stressed but it's partly because of the fact that they're not seeing people and we really didn't we didn't realize how big it was even like the most introverted people we didn't realize how much we do need physical interaction social connection our genes literally expect it and we didn't realize the importance of it until it's gone so um we need to get back into doing that at some point but obviously that's out of our control at the moment even when we do there's a big difference between being you can still be in a big group of people but still feel lonely so just have a think now what what relationships are you going to be going back to are your are your conversations with your friends more surface level is there anyone that you can really share your feelings with and ask for advice so that is something to think about as well and as women again we're coming back to women because this is the women's health podcast on hormones. So men are a little bit different, but women, when stressed, um, we, tend to, we tend to tend and befriend. So that's our coping mechanism to stress. This is because oxytocin, the bonding, the loving hormone, reduces cortisol. And this is why caring for animals, petting a dog, I, I've been really debating getting a dog recently. I'm just in a very nurturing, loving mood. But I'm weighing up the pros and cons with that because I'm in an apartment. It's raining all the time recently. And yeah, I'm quite busy throughout the day. So that's my dilemma at the moment. If anyone's got any, any advice on having a dog in an apartment, please let me know. And being in romantic relationships as a woman also positively impacts your hormonal health. As long as it's a good relationship, obviously, if it's abusive or um, yeah, there's any issues there, then that's probably going to provide the opposite. But intimacy, feeling supported by a masculine energy as a woman, as a female, is one of the best things for our well-being. And there's people who get into a relationship and the cycles normalize, the chronically low estrogen regulates, they start ovulating again. Whereas there's people in really bad, stressful relationships trying to conceive just because they think it's the right thing to do. They've been wanting a baby for a couple of years, but it's not a good relationship they split up, they find someone else and immediately they get pregnant. So there is that energetic side of things as well. And I recently spoke about that with Amy Rock on the podcast. And I'm. this is obviously with same-sex couples, there's a little bit of a difference here, but one of you is going to be more masculine in energy wise. So that kind of still is still relevant. And I'm all for equal rights with females, but we do have to honor that there are physiological differences between men and women, we have to respect that and honour that. And I know that some people are going to be offended with me saying, with me thinking that we need to have men for optimal health. I'm not saying that necessarily, but um yeah, you don't need to have a man to be happy and healthy, but we do have to be aware of that, that it could be something relevant to consider. Next is syncing with your cycle. So this also everything's kind of connected here what I'm saying, which is the good thing. So you don't need to follow this to a T like some people do because it's just not realistic for a lot of people, but I like to take inspiration from it. So if you don't have a menstrual cycle currently, then, and you're working on getting it back, that's the right thing to do, but you can follow the moon phases. So as I said, the full moon would be ovulation to mid cycle. Um, So ovulation to your period, whereas the new moon would be your period time. So you can follow that. Um, if you're on the pill you can't really do this fully but you can basically take it easier when you're on your period or your withdrawal bleed it's not a real period and we're cyclical beings so men tend to be on well men are on a 24 hour cycle women are on a 28 day cycle on average so this is why men can get up at the same time do the same workout work the nine till five have less energy in the day and they can just get up eat the same thing do the same thing over and over and over again whereas women we've probably had the experience of one week feeling great feeling confident being able to kill it in a workout class feeling energized and then the next week we're doing the exact same things but feel completely different and can't keep up so that just shows how different weeks require different things from our body and these energy shifts shouldn't be extreme so it shouldn't be one one week nearing your period you're absolutely exhausted you're depressed you're crying you don't want to see people but there should be a little fluctuation with your mood and your energy that's completely normal i do have other episodes on this going more in depth but just as an overview we'll base this on a 28 day cycle so the average average cycle um, with starting at the follicular phase technically the period comes into this um, but we'll just start this as the end of your period and this would be representative of spring so energy is climbing your hormones are climbing you're ready to take on new challenges your brain is thinking of new ideas you're creative during this time people usually feel quite good in this part of it and then we head into ovulation, which is like summer. So this is the time where our hormones are, te- are usually at the highest: testosterone, estrogen, and and our body is releasing the egg. So we tend to be more charismatic, creative, energetic, sexual around this time. And then after ovulation, we head into the luteal phase or autumn, the lead up to the period. Or we can, for some people, class this as PMS week, which is common but not normal but this is a time where hormones are kind of tapering down a little bit we tend to be a little bit more introverted we don't want to go out as much we want to just lie on the couch eat some chocolate and rest and then menstruation tends to be um like winter so the lowest the lowest levels of hormones things are a little bit more cold we should be eating more warming foods we should take it really easy with our workouts during that time so if you can schedule work commitments birthday events interviews workouts in accordance to your cycle working with your hormones rather than against them amazing please do that we have unique superpowers during each phase of the cycle and there is um, a really great book on this by Elisa Vitti or Viti she I, think, I forgot the name I think it's called in the flow that's a really good one she literally plans her life around it i think so we don't need to do anything like that necessarily but you can start to track your cycle if you aren't already so there are some devices like the daisy fertility monitor natural cycles obvious to see exactly when you are ovulating because for some people it's day 14 which is like textbook whereas some days it's 20, day 21 so the devices will um, usually temperature in the mouth, but the obvious sense it's like a vaginal temp one, usually better for fertility and when you're trying to conceive. So maybe looking into the other ones otherwise. Um, but there are some apps as well, but you can't use an app to determine ovulation without also using temperature, charting, fertility awareness signs, et cetera. So if you're using it as contraception or to plan a pregnancy, then it's not going to be 100% accurate. Just using an app, But my favorite one is called My Flow. And again, that's by the same author, Elisa Vitti. And then using your period as feedback. This comes under the cycle syncing aspect as well. Or your monthly report card. So our period this month represents our health this month and three months prior. So the past 90 days, 100 days. And that's why one month you could be eating the best that you've ever done, taking your supplements doing all the right things but you have the worst period ever probably not due to what you've been doing this month you usually maybe it was the the excessive amount of alcohol you drank three months ago whilst on holiday or the huge amount of stress you went through when you lost your job um during that time as well so it's on a delay um, and that's why what you do today and this month isn't Um, maybe going to affect your period until two to three months cycles time so keep that in mind and for reference a healthy period should be pretty symptom free beforehand um, and during so no pms really just maybe a little bit more tired a little bit more emotional that's completely fine Um, and whilst on your bleed minimal cramps you shouldn't need painkillers at all but the act of expelling the uterine lining is inflammatory just in nature so and it's like a physical shedding so you might feel some contractions some mild cramps a little bit of a dull ache but nothing painful at all medium flow bright red blood cranberry colored three to seven days in total on average so that's because a lot of people don't actually know what a healthy period is so that is just a nice love for you to aim for step six so another free simple way to improve your hormonal health is to move your body and this does tie into number five as well because i was saying about the hormonal the cycle sinking and paying attention to that so usually during the first part of the cycle after your period leading up to ovulation energy is at its best so you can maybe push it a little bit more around that time during the follicular phase because you're naturally estrogen dominant you're more insulin sensitive around that time so you can better handle carbohydrates intense workouts whereas in the second half of the cycle the luteal phase your body's potentially pregnant during that time so you're going to be more sensitive to stresses exercise is a stress remember that and you need to do more restorative workouts and your body comes a little bit more insulin resistant because again if you are pregnant that's a natural process that happens your body becomes a little bit more insulin resistant so that sugars can be shunted to the baby when needed. And this exercise is obviously unique to the person as well. It depends on your health status, your energy levels, your sleep quality, your adrenal function. So when I say more intense, this doesn't necessarily look the same for everyone. It could be just a brisk walk if you're someone with adrenal depletion or health issues. Or if you're feeling good, you're pretty healthy overall, it could be a really sweaty intense 20-minute hit workout. And when I say restorative exercise, it could just be a gentle stretching session during the second half of your cycle, if your hormones are out of whack, or it could be a heavy lifting session if you're feeling good overall, but with lots of rests, and if your health is pretty good overall. Remember to listen to your body as well, because just because you're in a certain phase of your cycle, you don't need to be strict with that, listen to how you're feeling, if you're exhausted, if you've had a bad sleep, if you've been traveling, if work's really stressful, you've got a lot on your plate and your to-do list, honor that and don't just push through because exercise is a stress, it's a good stress but um, yeah, it could just be another another stress in the bucket and that could cause it to overflow and exercise is beneficial in so many ways for hormonal health, you don't need a gym pass necessarily you could just take the stairs more often you could park further away from the shops when you go for your groceries you can get off the train on the bus one stop earlier and walk the rest of the way stand up and work at a standing desk or just prop your laptop on some books or something um, whilst you work or take a phone call outside and walk around instead of just sitting down and if you are someone who just does a 60-minute workout in the morning, but for the rest of the day, you're sat down, that's only marginally better than someone who's a couch potato, which is sad to think, but I'd rather you be someone who lives an active lifestyle. So think of all these people in Europe, not usually the UK, but places like France and Italy. A lot of them don't do like a traditional workout class. They're just like on their feet all day. All day. They're moving around. And a lot of them are physically healthier than people who just kill it at the gym for an hour and then just sit on their bum for the rest of the day and muscle mass because of the workouts that you're doing ideally like strength more strength training than chronic cardio is going to help with the um, insulin sensitivity the blood sugar balance which is coming up next mental health circulation it helps to get your hormones to where they need to be and blood flow to your uterus your ovaries etc And sweating helps with detoxification of some of these hormone-disrupting chemicals. So that's how it's going to support your your hormones. But the types of exercise is a little bit different for everyone. So you need to find what you enjoy, what you'll actually do, and what best supports your hormonal health and where you're currently at in your cycle. So last but not least is supporting that blood sugar balance. So noticed I did a lot of lifestyle ones first, but diet is foundational. So this needs to be addressed and your endocrine system so your hormonal system its number one job is to actually regulate your blood sugar and glucose levels so i'm going to use those terms blood sugar blood glucose interchangeably they're basically the same thing so that's the priority of your hormonal system is to keep your blood sugar regulated to fuel your brain with glucose so if you're not even doing that well and if it's not well balanced your body doesn't see your periods and your skin and your fertility as a priority so that's why blood sugar control is so important and at a very simple level the easiest way to start improving your blood sugar control is to have protein healthy fats and carbohydrates at every meal that you have so an example of a protein i think most people know would be like eggs or chicken or fish a healthy fat would be like avocados or grass-fed butter coconut oil and carbohydrates would be fruits or sweet potato beets brown rice if you are someone who does grains and if you're very dysfunctional with your blood sugar you might need to eat start off by eating every few hours like every two to three hours for some people so this would be three meals two or three snacks throughout the day but it's not a good sign of blood sugar control because ideally you should be able to go much longer between meals and i think most people eventually should be ending up on three square meals a day um, in my opinion and another focus should just to be avoid the crap so inflammatory oils sunflower oil canola oil safflower soybean oil all of those things usually found in um, processed and packaged foods takeaways all of that refined sugars artificial sweeteners which mess with our insulin so they don't necessarily affect our blood sugar but they do affect our fat storage and our um, appetite fake meats and fake proteins so tofurkey or beyond meat whatever it's called the burger just not real food so stick with as organic as possible things fresh from the ground things that your grandparents would recognize as food that's going to be a really good starting point carb tolerance is very bioindividual individual to the person so if you're someone with let's say pcos insulin resistance you're obese and you live a sed- sedentary um, lifestyle you're going to tolerate and need a lot less carbohydrates not zero but a lot less than someone who is active and lean and metabolically healthy plus different types of carbohydrates suit people differently as well due to things like genetics and gut health and your microbiome so don't just play around with like how many carbs like the serving size try and try and focus on different carbohydrates and see how you feel with those as well so try fruit versus grains versus starches and see when that's best along with the timing as well so try having the bulk of your carbs post-workout or at your evening meal or maybe split equally throughout the three meals of a day seriously everyone is completely different so don't just read what someone's saying online and implement that to yourself because it's extremely different listen to your body feedback and symptoms so if you're feeling tired after meals it could be that you're eating too much carbohydrate maybe not enough protein it could be that you get blood sugar crashes between meals that tells me either you didn't eat enough food or enough of one particular macronutrient maybe you're getting headaches um, throughout the day as well that could be signs of blood sugar as can anxiety um mood like irritability these could all be signs of a blood sugar fluctuation if you're really struggling with this and you can't really find what works for you best it's maybe worth considering the use of a glucometer temporarily so short term just to see what your unique body is doing and how it's responding because some people they're just so disconnected from the body or they're just dealing with too many health issues that they they can't differentiate a lack of sleep to the breakfast that they had even though they can be um, sleep Deprivation can cause you to be more insulin resistant and have higher blood sugar, so it is connected really, but it can be really eye opening. But don't become reliant on this as well, because no tests, especially some of these glucometers, aren't 100% accurate. Um, in the UK, there's one called Freestyle Libre, I think in Europe you can get that as well. And there's some other ones in the US that you can just get a couple of weeks trial, and the, they have been really helpful for me just to see that my body wasn't doing well with some of the types of carbohydrates that I was eating whereas if I was to have something like fruit or even white rice my blood sugar wouldn't wouldn't spike as high as eating a sweet potato even if I was eating the same amount of calories the same grams of carbs in there it's just really interesting to see and blood sugar regulation isn't just about diet and carbohydrates either it's also about your stress levels and inflammation your thyroid function metabolism muscle mass So if you do get a glucometer or start to really focus on blood sugar don't just narrow in on the food because for me when my blood sugar was i even did an experiment on this and and showed it on instagram i had a blood sugar monitor like implant into my arm and my blood sugar was like off the charts crazy but at the time i didn't know that i had mold illness and when i was eating the carbs it was feeding the the yeast and the mold internally and messing with my blood sugar So the carbs weren't the problem my body was the problem so keep that in mind so as i said these were very basic simple steps and i'm guessing with you listening to that there's one or two areas that you're skimping on at the moment i like doing these types of episodes because it really dials in for me like oh maybe you should work a little bit more on that yourself so it's a nice reminder so spend the next few weeks really focusing on the areas that you may have neglected and see how it goes i'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised and maybe you've just been ignoring them or forgetting about them but don't forget you still have options for things like functional lab testing supplement support and answers if needed so if you do them but you're still not 100 percent feeling 100 percent great don't just struggle and live with these symptoms ongoing whether it's acne hair loss fatigue weight gain pms period problems i'm here for you there are answers out there when the body's given the right building blocks, the right tools, the right nutrients and the stressors as many as possible are removed from the body you can function optimally so we'll leave it there we're back next week with another amazing guest interview so enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are and I'll speak to you soon. I really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone friendly recipes guide please leave me a rating and review and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrolment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.